This the remix. Throws back out to Derek White. Pump fake shot clock down to two. He has to launch a tough three and he hits it again. Derek White has tied game one. Leads Derek White, attacks baseline. Derek White to the corner. Pritchard closed down by Wiggins. Kick out Horford. He's open for three. Got it. Stop him. Stop him. Get right back in this property. You ain't going too fast yet, Golden State. Jalen Brown, right hand dribble, pass quarter in the paint. Lobs for Rob Williams, two hand slam. Timeout, Steve Kerr. Why do you think that there's been such wild disparities of play? Uh, I think the three-point shot has a lot to do with that. I mean, you saw, I don't know how many they made in the fourth. Somebody in here probably knows they make seven or eight threes in the fourth quarter. Nine. Nine. So, you know, that's, uh, it, I think it has everything to do with the three-point shot. It's, uh, you didn't see these kind of swings even a decade ago because you didn't have teams that could make threes from, from every position. And, you know, teams that, uh, you know, could string together uh, a number of threes like, like most teams can these days. So I think that's, that's probably the answer. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Boston Celtics took a 1-0 lead in the NBA Finals with a massive 40-point fourth quarter, including a 17-0 run, to put that game away. But before Game 1 of the Finals, we got some interesting news in terms of expansion or relocation in Las Vegas' quest to get an NBA team. First off, Adam Silver, in a press conference before the Finals started, said the NBA is not looking at expansion right now. He said, we are not discussing that at this time. He did, as he has said before, said that expansion is basically going to happen in the future at some point. He's called it an inevitability multiple times. So Adam Silver expects the NBA to expand at some point, but just not right now. He did specifically say Las Vegas and Seattle are wonderful markets. Those have obviously been the two cities most linked to expansion here, Um, but... This isn't necessarily new news no, from Adam this Silver. Is, this he is what he has said before. often. But uh, still disappointing because we get through another season where the NBA is saying, yeah, we're not thinking about it just quite yet. Yeah, this is what he said often. I mean, he hasn't kind of changed his, his tune on this. Um, I mean, Las Vegas, they know well because of the Summer League and USA Basketball, so I'm sure he knows well about the market. Seattle, they were there. Um I guess that bodes well for Vegas that he would be talking about them in any instance, but um, I, I don't. It just seems it just seems like they're not going to do this right now, which, like you said, stinks. Because uh, would rather them would rather him saying it's inevitable soon sooner than rather than later, yeah. and he hasn't said that. And I will say the one thing about Las Vegas, like those are Vegas and Seattle, the two front runners. But right. the longer it goes before they actually do expand the worse it is for Las Vegas because another city, if it takes them four more years or whatever, five more years, another city might end up being in a great position to expand by that point. Whereas if they did it right now, Las Vegas would probably get a team. If yeah. they announced expansion now, Las Vegas would be would probably end up getting a team. But if you wait five years, there might be a reason that Las Vegas isn't as high on their list or there might be a reason that another city, uh, Louisville or something like that, might be higher on their list. So... The longer it goes here, the worse it is for Las Vegas. So expansion doesn't seem likely at any point in the near future. However, relocation might before, be. 
relocation is a possibility. If a team were to move, if a team were to need a new arena, if a team were to sell and have a new owner, could a team relocate to Las Vegas? We've talked the most about the Pelicans. However, the Portland Trailblazers might be for sale soon. And Phil Knight of Nike, uh, he is part of an ownership group along with one of the Dodgers co-owners, Alan Smolensky, trying to buy the Blazers. They've apparently offered more than $2 billion to buy the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, Adam Silver did say yesterday, kind of unprompted, that it would be his preference that the Blazers stay in Portland which would imply there's some chance that the Blazers could end up moving. But Phil Knight and Nike, headquartered in Oregon, I would assume if Phil Knight's a part of an ownership group to buy the Blazers, they're not moving them out of Portland. Oh, no. not No, not by the $43 billion man, who, by the way, is 84 years old. He's 80. Wow. Yeah, 84. Yeah, good for him. 84 and you're buying an NBA team. All right, maybe we want him to buy it because he won't actually be there very long. <laughs> Hold on. Another guy oh, man, I knew where you were going with that. <laughs> he's 84. <laughs> I didn't say it. You told me that. No, I just said it. My point was good for him. He's 84, and he's got $43 billion. Your point was the guy might keel over any minute. and they might, he's the 84. Team might, the team might go to Las Vegas. Well, I don't right, know how who, old Alan Smolensky is. I was going to say, who's either. Alan Smolensky? Is he so, old? Does he, he care about Vegas at all? He's part-time owner of the Dodgers. Um, let me see here. See, let's see if he's young. Alan, great radio as usual. <laughs> see, Alan Slominski. Oh, they're not going anywhere. Forty-two. Oh, but but he might like Vegas. He might just be a. That's part true. Of he might he might say sure. Phil, I'll keep Knight the team there. Anymore. Wink, right. wink. Right. Exactly. He's like, oh yeah, you're eighty-four. Of course. Yeah, we'll stay in Portland. Um, there's a story from TMZ though that says the Blazers rejected Phil Knight's offer of more than $2 billion to buy it, uh, saying that they're not for sale at the moment. However, um, Adam Silver did say yesterday that it's most likely that the Blazers will have to be sold at some point. Uh, so I think we're rooting for somebody else. To, would, we, would, we, would you want the Blazers? Like if it was, hey, the Blazers are moving to Las Vegas, is that good? Or would you prefer expansion? Or I would mean, you prefer a different team? I prefer Zion for his 40 games a year. <laughs> Um, I think he that would be, be that'd be funner to watch. That'd be cool to watch. <laughs> but if it's a team, look, if it's the only chance you got, and like you said, expansion might get hurt if you wait longer, and you know the the uh, someone wants to buy them and move them here. Sure, it's an NBA team. I thought, why was my first impression that two billion wasn't enough? Because Adam Silver said three billion wasn't enough for expansion for the expansion. Yeah, team? I saw two billion. I'm like, that was his offer. For a guy worth forty nine point two, and I don't know what Smolinski's worth, but he's worth, you know, a lot. He's a part owner of the Dodgers. I thought, and I know the market's not as big as others, but when uh, Sam and I were talking about this yesterday, and it came across the web that it said uh, two billion, I'm like, boy, that doesn't sound like enough. Yeah, it's not. Now I would say Portland Trailblazers probably on the lower end of valuable sure. NBA sure. franchises, so they would potentially be one of the uh, more. Uh, Lower value teams, if you're buying them, quote unquote yes. affordable. Yeah, yeah, but I would, I would agree with you. Two billion seems low, especially when Adam Silver's out here being like, "Well, we're going to need three point five or four billion for an expansion team here." I would not care which relo which team relocated to Las Vegas. Uh, the to me, the main key 
would be, is there a good ownership group in place? I don't care where the team comes from, what the team's nickname is, any of that, what the team's roster would currently look like. To me, it's more about, is there a good ownership place? Because that is what determines the long-term success and long-term health of a franchise. If you've got good ownership, your team could be good for a really long time. for a really long time. Right. If you've got bad ownership, your team might suck for a long time. And the one thing that can't be changed easily is the owner. Right. right? You can if you've got Not if they bad, bought it to relocate it. Right. Like if you've got a bad roster, that can change. If you've got a bad head coach, that can change. You got a bad general manager, that can change. All of those things can change really quickly. Ownership can't. Like that's they they own the team. They've got to be convinced to sell it. And that to me would be the key. If we're getting a relocation team, is there a good ownership group? in place i will say this i have no idea if phil knight would be a good owner i don't have a clue or simonski yeah no No idea idea. those guys could be great those guys could be terrible no idea but i'd be fine getting the blazers especially if you told me phil knight and alan smolinski or whoever ended up buying them moved them here and they were good ownership yeah i'd be pumped about that i would be too yeah so we'll see if the blazers end up selling ultimately in the near future who buys them do they want to move them to Las Vegas? Do they care about Portland? That'll be a team to watch, a storyline to watch as far as Las Vegas' pursuit. One other NBA story that's not related to the finals that I absolutely love. The New York Knicks yesterday, according to SMY, SNY, they are going to hire Rick Brunson as an assistant coach. Now, Rick Brunson spent the last three years coaching high school basketball. He has been an assistant in the NBA before, and he's worked under Tom Thibodeau, the coach of the Knicks, before. But none of that's the important detail here. Rick Brunson is the father of Jalen Brunson, who is going to be a free agent this offseason after playing with the Dallas Mavericks. And this is very college basketball-esque where the Knicks went out and hired the guy's dad in what seems to be a pretty obvious attempt to sign Jalen Brunson in the offseason. Let me ask you this, because he had he had some good games, but we talked about could they get a better player than Luka there, and you know if Jalen Brunson continued to improve. And I have no idea how good a coach Rick Brunson is. Uh, I'm not going to take a shot at him for coaching high school basketball. That's fine, but he, because he was an assistant coach before in the NBA. Is Jalen Brunson good enough that you feel you have to make this hire? Yeah, that, that is a good question. Like, probably not. Um, but if it's the only guy you're hiring their dad for, maybe it is. But you're right. You would think you hire the dad of a free agent that's much better than Jalen Brunson. You hire the dad of a free agent that's going to make you a championship contender. Yes. Not a guy who, I mean, Brunson's fine. He's, fine. he's solid. He's going to be a, he's a good player. But he's not, nobody that signs, Jay, nobody signs Jalen Brunson and is like, yep. We're this going to the, the finals. Team. Yeah, we're going to win. That, that's what put us in the finals. Right. So you're right. It's probably, if you're going to do that, you do it for a better player. But I still love it. I absolutely love the idea of, eh, where's his dad these days? He's coaching high school? Yeah, give him it's a, a great call. Story. Tell him to come coach the Knicks. And you are right. If if they had hired his dad and the only coaching experience he had was coaching high school, you would have looked then. around and said, what right. are they then doing? It was, then it'd be even funnier. Right, but he's uh, he he's been in the NBA for quite a few years as an assistant coach with four teams and I think two different stints with Tom Thibodeau. So it's it you can reasonably justify it as not just to get Jalen Brunson, but I absolutely love it. I love it so much when colleges do it, and now that it's in the NBA, 
I hope we see this on a regular basis. <laughs> it's terrific. It's great. I mean, hell, we're going to see it with LeBron James just the other way around. Whoever yeah. drafts his son is going to be like, yeah, we drafted him, so LeBron James will come yeah, over. Yeah, come here. and play one year. It's terrific. I'm I'm all in on people doing this. Now, one last point on this. From the Mavs side of things, obviously they weren't good enough to win a title this year. Jalen Brunson was their second best player. We said it a lot. You need a somebody better than Brunson as your second best player. But it still doesn't mean you want to lose Jalen Brunson. No. No. I mean, because you have to have someone to help out Luka. So no. if they lose Brunson here, I mean, what what do the Mavericks do? What type of player can they who, go get to put next to Luka to make them legitimate I mean, contenders this I'm trying season? to think who the best free agents out there are. Yeah, I don't know what the actual I don't I think it's a bad free agent season this year. I don't think it's a great one this offseason, but it's the NBA where guys apparently every player has an opt out, so who knows, the entire league could opt out this year. All right, all so here's sudden, some of the ones go. that are out there. Bradley Beal has a player option. Kyrie has a player option. Zach Levine, who everyone says is going to the Lakers. Um, DeAndre Ayton's restricted. Harden player option. Bridges uh, uh, restricted. So Bradley Beal would be fun. I think that would be a interesting combination. To not that Beal's really taken the Wizards anywhere, but if you have Luca and Beal, that would be interesting. Yeah. I don't know if that's good enough to be a true title contender, but that would be an improvement. So it's. It might have to be a trade for somebody if they were going to seriously be a title contender next year. But I think that's the type of player that they need to go get to have a shot to be a uh, legitimate contender for the NBA championship. All right. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. I'm asking you if you know the difference between right and wrong. I discovered at a very early age that if I talk long enough, I could make anything right or wrong. Bischoff's Briefs. So either I'm God or truth is relative. Bischoff's Briefs. And in either case, booyah. Bischoff's Briefs. LV Sports Biz. Alan Snell had an interesting story on the Raiders and their attendance. Uh, last year, the Raiders announced their attendance, their average attendance, at 61,185 people per game. Allegiant Stadium holds 62,000 people. That's pretty close to a sellout. But for anybody that went, there were often pretty noticeable empty seats there and the actual attendance not the paid attendance the actual attendance of people walking into Allegiant Stadium on average for a Raiders game last year was only 52,095 so we're talking about nearly a thousand or nearly excuse me nearly 10,000 empty seats on average at each Raiders game that is 16 percent of Allegiant Stadium seats being empty for Raiders games. Uh, and I'll, I'll start Bischoff's Priest by asking you, how big of a deal do you think that number is? I think it's a big deal given how little they've played here, right? Um, how many seasons they've been here. I didn't. I was surprised at the number that there, was, there were 10,000 empty seats. You know, when you're at those games, you can't really, I mean, from the press box, you have just so many certain angles. You don't know, you know, uh, you can't see below you or... Sometimes, you know, other angles that are in the stadium above you. But 10,000 seats surprised me a little. Um, 
It didn't happen when the Chiefs were there because I think they had 10,000 more uh, that <laughs> that actually fit in the stadium. They were all wearing Chiefs gear. So some of the possible excuses, and Mark Davis actually ended up talking to Alan Snell and gave him one, the vaccine requirement. Mark Davis blamed the vaccine requirement for why they had empty seats, basically saying that, oh, there were people that bought tickets but couldn't come because of the vaccine requirement, which sounds like that wouldn't be the reason for there being 10,000 empty seats uh, because you could have refunded your tickets or rolled them over to the next year if you were worried about the vaccine requirement. That was an option from the Raiders. So you'd have to be pretty stupid to keep your season tickets and not get either the refund or the rollover and just lose money. I can't imagine there were 10,000 people that were that stupid to do so. Now, maybe there wasn't a big enough populace to buy resale tickets because of the vaccine requirement, but I also find that hard to believe that they couldn't find 10,000 more people that wanted to go but refused because of the vaccine requirement. Like, if we were talking about, oh, there were 2,000 empty seats, oh, okay, like that, okay, but 10,000, we're talking 16% of the stadium, couldn't be filled because there weren't more people that were willing to go that were vaccinated. That doesn't seem like a legitimate excuse for why there would be 10,000 empty seats. Now, I will say this, as far as attendance figures go for any sports teams over the last couple of seasons, I don't think we should draw like guaranteed conclusions because of COVID and You can say vaccine requirements at Allegiant Stadium or mask requirements somewhere else. But I think what might be a bigger deal here is I think they're still, or at least last year during football season, maybe it's less than now, but there's still people that aren't comfortable being in large groups. There are still people who don't want to go be in a place with 50, 60,000 people. I think that honestly would have a bigger deal than people that were afraid of the vaccine requirements because... This, this pandemic's not over. Hell, if you no. watch the NBA Finals, the announcing crew has been ravaged by COVID. Like, it's not over. So there's still an element of, okay, how comfortable are people? Do you have requirements? Like, so it's not, to me, it's perfectly fine to be like, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens with attendance, you know, this next season and the following season before making, you know, big conclusions about things and really like, oh, this is a big problem. But I will say this. I do think it's a bad sign for Allegiant Stadium because what we saw last season in a lot of these games, you mentioned Kansas City. It was similar for Chicago. It was similar for Philadelphia. Those were games where, what, roughly 50% of the crowd was cheering for, was the, other cheering team. for the other team. Sure. And we have a season where the Raiders can't fill their own building, where we've got 10,000 empty seats, and we had multiple home games where the crowd was close to a 50-50 split. That is not a good sign for the future of Allegiant Stadium and the Raiders' home field advantage. Because the whole idea of people want to travel to Vegas to watch their team play, absolutely. That's a real thing. But when we get five, six, seven years into the future and Kansas City Chiefs play here every single year, are they still going to be sending 
30,000 people to Las right. Vegas? Maybe. I mean, if the Chiefs are still good, potentially. But probably not. I mean, eventually there's going to be an effect of, oh, yeah, we've been to Vegas three times in the last six seasons. We don't need to go again. And once you cycle through the schedule, right? Event, you know, some teams don't teams don't play here every year, obviously. But once you cycle through the schedule and teams have all had a chance to play here, you're going to get to a point where, okay, do we really want to travel from Philly to Las Vegas? Like, it was cool back in 2021, but we don't need to do it again right now. So I think there there's some bad signs to the future of what crowds will look like at Allegiant Stadium. Not that there's ever, well, maybe it'll be really empty if the Raiders are bad for an extended period of time. But I don't expect it to be really empty. But I don't think it's out of the question that 10,000 empty seats could be kind of normal. And a lot of these games, and maybe more if a lot of these games against other teams... They don't bring as many fans as Kansas City, Chicago, and Philly. Did. Well, and to your point, I still think, like you said, your earlier point about it's not over and people are still worried. Um, Alameda County, I believe, yesterday went back to masks at all indoor activities. Uh, that should tell you. Um, I'll go to the gym you know, several times a week, and there's pe- still people with masks on, which is fine. They're prerogative, but it's there's still the sense of and you know concern of that it isn't over. Uh, I've known several friends who's gotten it in the last month. You talked about the who, you know, Breen and, and um, Van Gundy, who got it. So I do think there's a sense of that it's not over. And if this continues on into the season where people are continuing to get new variants of it, you could definitely have the same thing happen. I think you'd agree with, you know, whether they don't want to go because they don't want to be in large crowds, completely their prerogative, I understand that. Or, you know, I don't know if they'd bring back the vaccine mandate, but you have to watch this stuff because it's, it's still prevalent out there. And... The interesting part on that, to use it to sort of look at Raiders' um, attendance numbers, we don't actually have the actual attendance from the rest of the NFL. So the part that I'm curious about, the rest of the uh, – all sports teams, right, they report the number of tickets sold, not the number of people in the building, or number of tickets given out in some cases, right, because a lot of teams will, you know, give tickets away or whatever. But what I'd be curious to see – how many other NFL teams had 10,000 empty seats? How many other NFL teams had 15, 16 and why? of their stadium that were, were not filled? And if you told, like, if we found out, hey, the Raiders at 16% of their seats were empty, were, you know, middle of the pack, that that was average, then you'd look around and say, okay. I mean, that's it had a COVID and the after effects and everything. Like, okay, it had an effect. People aren't as comfortable, whatever requirements. Like, that's perfectly fine. But, I mean, if we found out that, oh, 16% was the second highest in the league, then you'd look back and be like, oh, okay, something actually is going wrong here. So that's a number that I'd be curious to see if if we could actually get it from other teams, but they just announced tickets. Yeah, then we're not going to get that. Right. So that's something I'd be curious to see. Because the other part about the Raiders, this was the first year they played in Las Vegas with fans, and they were good. This wasn't a bad team. There was There, there was no, like, football reason why to not go to these games. So if they were at the high mark of empty seats last year, that is a bad sign going forward because they would be the only ones trying to use the excuses that Mark Davis tried to use about, ah, oh, the vaccine requirements scared some people away. So To your point, what do, you think the, what do you think the percentages of those giveaways by the casinos where people said, well, I'll go, I'll go, and they take them, and they say, well, I don't want to go. I don't know. Alan Snell wrote that in there that maybe there's some level of, hey, casinos have tickets, they give them away, and people don't show up. How many are casino? How many of the well, how many? That's the other thing. How tickets? many tickets do these guys have to give away? And I and I feel like, I mean, maybe not everybody. Maybe I like sports more than those people. Sure, but like, I feel like if you came to Vegas and like, 
Caesars or MGM said, hey, we got tickets to the Raiders and Eagles, I'm probably going, right? If it's free. Sure. Yeah, like yeah, if you gave me free tickets to that, like I, I guess maybe I don't know. And and if you and if like I wasn't gonna go, I'd probably say no and give them back, right? Like right, I wouldn't right. take. Them I don't know. I know I wouldn't take go. them if I wasn't gonna go to the game. So I don't. I don't know. That one was a weird sounding excuse to me, but maybe maybe it's legitimate. Coming up next, Q joins the show. We're back to the press box morning show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. You can hear him over on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio from 2 to 4 every day. Q, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing fantastic, man, in studio here with Grainy and, and yourself and uh, Danny and just having a good old time, man. It's, it's great to be back in the comfy confines of uh, ESPN Las Vegas. Is it comfy in there? It is very comfy, man. It's Do you cold, know what studio I work in every day? <laughs> we come in. Danny's got the sweatshirt on. You know, it's 150 out, and you come right. into this place. It's like 32 degrees in these places. You know, but isn't that typical for radio? Right? There's always a studio that's super cold, and listeners have no idea. We're like, man, it's cold in the studio. They're thinking, no way, it's 100. Like you said, it's 150 oh, yeah. outside, but it's freezing. And so, you know, I used to do that all the time when I was in Central Texas. I'd have a hoodie, and I'd walk outside, and someone's like. Dog, you're in the middle of summer in right, Texas, right. and you got a hoodie on. I was like, man, you go in that studio yeah. and see what's happening. Lis- listeners uh, care about the studio, and I think you'll agree. Like people care about the media being seven fields away from the Raiders when they're at the uh, <laughs> when they're at the uh, the OTAs. Yeah, with with no with no shade there either. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> less shade. Right. You don't have binoculars ready to go, Q? No, but I'm going to invest. Yes. I have to shout out to Tashawn Reed. He was on yes. his A game uh, yesterday. <laughs> he had his binoculars, and the rest of us were like, man, what number is that I'm looking at that over there? Bad. Yeah, so Tashawn was on his A game. I'll After this weekend, I'll have my binoculars as well. Will there be any closer viewing times for the media? We're going to get um, more uh, three days next week and then into the future, or is it always going to be – seven football fields away oh i have no doubt that it'll always be seven oh. football fields away i just I, I just don't see any way that anything's going to change now i will say we actually were able to film and, and tweet out some of the a couple of the drills like ball security drills but i mean that was it, it seemed like ed and you can correct me if i'm wrong it seemed like the window to actually take a picture or or a video something was a little bit longer than oh, yeah. it was last week no, not it was much longer. But a little bit. The la- last week it was stretching only. Yeah, and you, you just couldn't get any. Well, unless we wanted great shots of the punter and the kicker, right? Uh, the the, the uh, those guys. But other than that, yesterday when they jogged over for the drill, I assumed everyone was going to say stop shooting, right? And then no one did. And I said, I think these guys forgot to say that, or they're over there talking to people because right now everyone's still shooting these drills. Yeah, exactly. So I got a couple ball security drills uh, with the wide receivers that I was able to film and, and, and tweet out. And it's so funny because there was a couple wide receivers that I got, but everyone wants to see Devontae Adams, right? So I uh, I did one. I tweeted it out. And then the very next one, I made sure to get 17 in there, Devontae Adams. And what's the number one question that I received? We're 17. We're 17. Yeah. I was like, it's on the very next yeah, tweet. I know. You had, did you have Hunter first? Yeah. You had 13 first. And yes. I saw your tweet. And within two seconds, people were like, we're 17. We're exactly. 17. It's like, calm down. Right. It's coming. It's yes. coming. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, Q, is it a big deal that Derek Carr has not spoken to the media at the last two media availabilities? 
Uh, I don't think so. Um, I, I think that they're just kind of trotting whoever out. Of course, the last one, they weren't going to have him out there because uh, there was 8,000 media members there <laughs> talking about or thinking that they were going to talk about Colin Kaepernick. And and yesterday, I mean, Josh McDaniels didn't even talk. You know, it was uh, Frank Ocam and uh, Coach Brasillo. So I don't I don't think that it's a big deal. Uh, we'll see. I'm sure next week, if he doesn't talk during mandatory minicamp, then it might be <laughs> then it might be like, okay, wait, hold on. What's going on here? But no, I don't, I don't think it's a big deal right now. Of all the things you've not seen out there, what, what, <laughs> what have you like? What did you go into OTAs wanting to, you know, be interested in most? What did you most want to see? If you can squint your eyes and see what what interests you the most, you know, obviously the offensive line is going to be what everyone's going to focus in on, and Alex Leatherwood, where he's you know where he's lining up at, and so far two out of two times I've seen him line up at tackle. You know that's where he's been, but I also wanted to pay attention to what Dylan Parham was doing, and we saw him yesterday quite a bit at center. But Andre James wasn't there, so there's there's that. But still, at the same time, I think that Dylan Parham's going to compete for that center position. He might not get it, but he's going to definitely compete. I think he's going to be a big factor on that offensive line. And then I'm also interested in Josh Jacobs. You know, that was the guy that I was looking for yesterday, and I never saw him. I no. saw a couple guys that it looked like they, it could have been him, but again, no. we were so far away. But, it, you know, so I'm interested to see how that goes. We know that there's like seven or eight running backs in the room right now. And so to see Josh Jacobs or not see Josh Jacobs out there uh, was kind of interesting to me. How do you think that running back room ends up playing out? Like, is is Kenyon Drake going to be a cut candidate at some point? Like, how do you think that plays out with how many backs they currently have? Well, that's a good question. And I was kind of looking at that, and I was thinking about that the other day. I actually did a whole podcast, and I, I said that I thought that he was a guy that could potentially be cut in Kenyon Drake, but then I looked at the dead money because they re right. you know they re uh, negotiated his deal or or you know whatever they did, they just restructured it, uh, and he has an eight million dollar cap hit, a dead cap hit. That's a lot of money if he's not going to play. You know, so I was thinking, man, I think that maybe him or Jacobs, I'm sure that they're going to try to move from one of them. I don't think Josh would get traded this, uh, this, you know, this, this during the, uh, during training camp, but you never know, you know, so I can see one of those guys not being there. Uh, I think Brandon Bolden definitely is going to be there. They gave him a two year deal. He's a new England guy. I mean, he's obviously familiar with Josh McDaniels. Uh, they brought in Zamir white. They, they drafted him. I think Britton Brown will probably be a practice squad guy, uh, his first year. Uh, but I, I definitely could see those guys being a one-two punch, you know, later on down the road. Uh, I just think there's too much money invested right now in the running back position for this regime for their liking. So I think that Kenyon Drake, they might have to ride it out this year with them. Just that dead money, man. $8 million for a guy that's not playing. That's a lot of money. Is there any chance we get to mandatory next week and someone doesn't show up? Um I think so, but for every reason that you've mentioned, as far as the, you know, holdout and the money and the fact that they have to pay that money. Uh, you know, because I could see, I could see a guy like Darren Waller not showing up just because he wants the the contract extension. And again, he's represented by Clutch Sports. I mean, that's I I, I say that and people get so tired of hearing that, but that's a factor. Clutch Sports is not like represented by Q. You know, what I mean, Clutch Sports they get <laughs> they get things done right? right. I mean, they they handle their business and they make sure. I mean, remember Anthony Davis was a Clutch Sports guy. I mean, there's the list goes on and on about guys that if they're not happy with their situation, clutch sports will make, make sure that somehow it's taken care of. So I can see Darren Waller being a guy that might not show up for mandatory mini camp or even training camp. But uh, then you start talking about fines and those fines, which are not reversible. Uh, they, they, they start piling up fast, man. From the team standpoint, would you pay both Waller and Renfro with new extensions? Or would you look at it from a standpoint of, 
we want to have all three as long as possible, but in terms of money and salary cap, we're only really going to pay one of these guys to be the number two to Devontae Adams. Yeah, that's that's the that's the big question. And I think that you have to address Waller. I think that you have to give him something to make him happy. Um, you know, everyone says he's a young 30 because, you know, he doesn't have that much wear and tear on his body. But then again, with everything that was going on with him earlier in his life, he has a lot of wear and tear on his body. It just might not be football wear and tear. Um, so I, I and then the injuries that he had last season are a little concerning for me uh, just because I don't think you get healthier in the NFL. So I would do something to try to get him satisfied so you know maybe you give him uh, a two-year deal and you have some kind of good structuring that's something that this new regime has done a good job with I think they make these contracts so they can get out and they have an out with Carr they have an out with Adams they you know don't need an out with Crosby but I mean they they have pretty good structures on their contracts so I could see them doing that but I think at the end of the day I think Hunter Renfro is the guy that you really end up paying because you know what a slot receiver could do in, in Josh McDaniel's offense. Is there anyone right now, if whether they pay those guys or not, that you're seeing in the free agent market with their money available now that you'd like them to look at? Yeah, Daryl Williams out of uh, Buffalo, you know, the, the right tackle. And the only thing I'm interested in is why is he still available? You know what I mean? I know he had some injuries last season, but he's still out there. He's still available. And Dominican Sue is a name that I've been slowly starting to come around on that would be a really good addition. Um, I thought at first he'd be a good addition, but more of a luxury. But the more I think about it, I just, I mean, none of those guys really in the interior of that defensive line are proven dudes that can go and get it done consistently. And there's one thing that he has proven is that he can do it consistently. He's only missed, what, two games in in his career. So, I mean, he's a guy that's going to be durable. And I liked... Gerald McCoy last year, I thought he was going to be a good addition to the team. He still had a little something in the in the tank as as Danny looks at me because he's a Cowboy fan and uh, and you know he he had thoughts of Gerald McCoy until he got injured as well as a Cowboy. He just he has some something or I thought he had something left in the tank and could provide some leadership as well. So I, I liked what he had at first, but then he got injured and missed right. the whole season. So I think that uh, Sue could do that same thing except for have a lot more left in the tank. Uh, Brent Musburger is out. I don't know if it's retirement or forced out, but Brent Musburger out is the play-by-play guy. Who's next? Are you next? Who's no. calling games for the Raiders? No, I'm definitely not next, man. That That's one of those. that That is a tough gig, man. I mean, you are a, a absolute dude if you're doing that job. I mean, that that takes so much work. Now, I will say this, and I've thrown it out there multiple times. I would love to be the play, uh, not the play-by-play, the, uh, the sideline guy. I would love to do that. I think that'd be right up my alley. I've done sidelines plenty of times, obviously not the NFL level, but uh, I think I could do a really good job with that. But as far as uh, the play-by-play, uh, Jason Fitz, who's on the show all the time, he would love to do it. Uh, he's talked to me about that many times, that he would love to be the the play-by-play voice. But uh, I'm sure that this move doesn't happen unless they already have someone in mind that they're going to go with. Yeah. And I think that Musburger only had a three-year deal to begin with, yeah. and he ended up you know, really doing play-by-play for about four seasons for the for the Raiders. So I think that uh, this was kind of the inevitable anyway. He's, what, just turned 83, thought that he was going to be uh, on his way out pretty soon. So I'm, I'm interested to see. It's a new team in Vegas. You know, it's a kind of new beginnings for the team. I want to see if they go with someone young or they go with someone that's already, like, established and has a big name like Brent Musburger. It should be interesting, but I think Lincoln Kennedy does a really good job. And, hey, by the way, Raiders, if you need a sideline guy, I'm available. There you go. Q's available. <laughs> I don't think people realize uh, to do it, do it well, how difficult play. Oh, my is. gosh. To do it well. Yes, There's a lot yes. of guys who want to do it and say, oh, I can do it. Right. 
But no, man, that is such a, I mean, that is a job, right? I mean, that is something you have, you have notes, you have have uh, like 10 cards. Yeah, you have cards everywhere. I mean, you've got the binoculars, you've got the TV, you've got this, you're studying, you're learning facts, you're getting nuggets. I mean, man, that's not one of those things that you, you know, you do your nine to five Monday through Friday, then you're like, oh, I'm going to show up at the game an hour early and prepare for the show. Like, you don't do that, man. You know, you can't, that is a, that is a, man, that is a job. I, I would want nothing to do with that job. It, it, and the ones that are greater at, at it are great for a reason, right? They work they nonstop it, preparing. Exactly. The preparing is the hard part. Yep. Ex- yeah, executing is one thing. Right. The preparation is where it's at. I'm all on board Jason Fitz getting this. I would. I, you know fun. what? I would love for him to get it because, one, I know how passionate he is about the Raiders. Sure. Two, I know that he's a professional at whatever he does, if it's music, if it's radio, whatever. So I know that he would put in the work. Um, you know, and it's so funny when I saw that tweet from Brett Musburger this morning, I immediately texted to to Jason because I know he's interested in it. And his first response is just I'm hitting up the, the powers that be right now. <laughs> so, huh? I mean, so I mean, he was on it. He's very adamant that he wants to, to get that job. But like I said, normally those don't open up unless there's already somebody in mind. Yeah. All right. Well, you can hear him again. Unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio, two to four every day. Q, as always, we Thanks, appreciate Q. it. Hey, no problem, man. Hey, Tyler, keep doing what you do, man. You're looking good, brother. Thanks, Q. <laughs> Before we go, here's your tickets. We still got another pair here. These are tickets to go see Jurassic World Dominion, a sneak premiere. It comes out on June 10th, but this is for tickets to go see the premiere on June 7th at 7 p.m. So if you want to go see Jurassic World early, call in now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100. We got a pair of tickets for you to go see Jurassic World on June 7th. We'll take caller number seven at 702-364-1100. I don't know how many men are out there now that have had a massage that perhaps occasionally there was a happy ending. All right. Maybe there's nobody in your listening audience that that ever happened to. I do want to point out, if it has happened, it's not a crime. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Was that? uh, That was the Sean Watson's lawyer on the radio in Houston. Um, That's how he ended his interview this morning, saying that happy endings are not against the law. And... If I'm Deshaun Watson, I don't think I want my lawyer saying that. No, no. How about 23 of them? <laughs> because here's here's the other part. Um, even if you were like, yeah, happy ending is legal, whatever. Um, it's not that there was a happy ending for Deshaun Watson. It's that there was unwanted sexual advancements or assault from Deshaun Watson. Is this, that that's not what the argument is about Deshaun Watson and these massages. That's not what it's his what accusers it, are saying. Right. They're saying that he did this without them wanting it. Right. Like that's that's the point here is the, the key word is consent. And the women that are accusing Deshaun Watson of this are saying they did not give consent for Deshaun Watson to do any of the things that Deshaun Watson is accused of doing. Not that, oh, he had some massages that ended with a happy right. ending. That's that's not why Deshaun, there were, if that was all this was, this would not be as big of a deal. No, he probably would have played not, last year. Right. That's <laughs> That would not be a big issue right now. But 
I okay. If I'm Deshaun Watson, do you fire that guy I now mean, because of that? Tyler, have you not? I mean, come on. It's like he says. Whatever you every once in a while, when you're having a massage, you just wind up with a happy ending. It just sort of happens. How all happenstance. I mean, I'll say this. I'm getting a massage tomorrow. I don't think it's going to have a happy ending. <laughs> Report back to us Monday. You're a massage guy. I'll... First of all, hold on. Breaking oh, news. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, like um. How many years ago? Like three years ago, my girlfriend got me for like a birthday present was like a massage envy uh, membership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, oh, I go once or twice a month and get a massage. Wow. Yeah, look at you. Is, this is, this is breaking news. This is a red it's hot every, Everyone should do it. Their, their massages are great. I just have, I've, so, okay, we have a guy who gets yeah, and uh, yeah. apparently it, you don't random accidentally get happy endings some of the time? No, those no, it's never never happened actually. Um no, not not at all. Is is that my is that like the best legal defense? Sometimes happy endings happen, guys. He's <laughs> <laughs> him telling the jury that. Well, like think about think about that. Like jury selection. All right, now have you ever had a massage that ended in a happy ending? No? All right, get him out of here. Yeah. That that's like in all seriousness i assume deshaun watson's paying his lawyer a lot of money i assume that's what's happening here you're telling me a high-priced lawyer is on the radio saying that well happy endings aren't illegal that sounds like something a moron on the radio like us would say (laughs) i think he just got a pd who likes to get uh a lot of massages (laughs) i just like what how is that something a lawyer said and why is he on the radio why, did why he, is that? Do we know why his did he name? Agree to that? Rusty um, Harden. Okay, Rusty so this Harden. was Rusty. It was the he very sounds first, like a NASCAR yes, driver. Yes, he sounds like a NASCAR driver and Jerry Jones at the same time. But I, I did think, I did think it was Rusty Harden. That, so that is Rusty Harden. Okay, all right. I, He's been in some big cases. The way and that apparently he goes on the radio. See, I didn't know his name, and the way that Jared labeled the sound, it says Rusty Harden. I thought it was something that had to do with James Harden. I had no <laughs> idea what type of sound he was having me put in. Well, when I find when I find clips about uh, you know happy endings and massages, accidental happy endings, <laughs> I gotta get I gotta get you guys' takes on it. And we learned something. We learned Tyler apparently is out yeah, here. Yeah, he's out there getting two massages he's, a month. He's got a giant guy yeah. named Sven who Man. works on him each twice a month. Man, I got to get this for a, like, what was it, a Christmas or a birthday present? Yeah, well, see, first, like, the first thing she got me was, like, a, a nice fancy massage at some casino spa. Like, and that was the first massage I ever got. And I was like, oh, that was great. And then the next time she got me, like, a full membership so I can go to Massage Envy. Like it's one once or twice a month. It's great. It's phenomenal. It's do you, one of the best presents I've ever gotten. Do you get any of the add-on packages at Massage Envy? <laughs> oh uh, no, I I have gotten. They have like the massage gun. I've gotten that once or twice before, but none of the other stuff. No, I don't have like hot stones laid on my back, or I don't get the like cupping. The cupping. Yeah, the, the cupping. cupping sounds seems weird. It seem it looks painful. I don't know if it is, but it just looks painful. Like I can't imagine that's that that feels comfortable. I once dated a girl who would get the cupping done, and it would always look like somebody with very tiny fists had been like wailing had on been, her, and I would always it. just be like, "There, my, my fists aren't perfectly circled." <laughs> I remember the inter the internet exploded when cupping like became super big back during the Olympics a few years ago. 
everyone was freaking out. They're like, what are all these circles on people's Danny, how do you how do you know about these extras at the Massage Envy place? Because uh, my <laughs> my girlfriend's best friend does accounting for Massage Envy, and she had us go in there as secret shoppers. And then we were supposed to, <laughs> because they're Christmas like, secret shoppers. They're supposed, they're supposed to, to upsell you. Yeah, they're supposed to upsell you yeah. and try and get you to get packages, oh, which is what I was talking about. And you're supposed to catch them in a, what, a fit? Yeah, we're supposed to like write down, like, oh, did they upsell us? Did they ask us if we wanted anything? Because I went did in there. Did they give you a happy like, ending? Yeah. I'm sure we could report back, but that didn't happen. Because <laughs> I, I went in there hoping to get the hot stones, but they never asked, so we didn't say anything. Oh, Between this and the man. video game job you had, you do a lot of, like, trying to catch people in, like, kind of, you know, like, <laughs> bad situations or, like, like report on people back, don't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you a professional snitch? I was going to say. <laughs> do you work for the government? It's like, geez, every, every job you have, you're, like, I tried, going in and writing notes on people. Now I'm a little worried about what I say to Danny. Know, I'm like, exactly. who's he working for actually here? It's a little little concerning here. So yeah, there you go. Go get a massage. It's good for you. It, it's nice, but not the Deshaun Watson massage. Those are bad. Or the Rusty Harden one either.